Oh, there it is. Sorry about that, guys. Good morning. Good to see you all this morning. I tell you, it's a blessing to stand next to those kids and hear them sing. Uh, take your Bibles and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. We'll be in Ephesians chapter 6 as we look at verses 1 through 4 this morning. Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, as we begin uh, this morning to talk about parenting, everybody's favorite topic, right? All the things that you could have, should have, would have done is what I think about when I think about parenting, uh, how far short we fall. Let me open this up with a word of prayer and we'll get started. Father, I thank you. God, I thank you for your grace, for your forgiveness, for your mercy. God, for your love for us in spite of us. God, the way that you show us kindness and compassion and tenderness every day, whether we deserve it or not. God, we know we could never deserve your love. We could never deserve your favor, but you provided it freely through your son. God, I just am amazed at the gospel this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for all that you have done, all that you are doing and all that you're going to do. Lord, I pray that you would be with us as we walk through your, your word this morning. God, that you would speak to us that you would encourage us, that you would strengthen us, and that you would change us. Help us now, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> it, it will change your life. I think, I think that's the phrase I remember more than anything when Crystal and I first found out that we were going to have a baby. It was everybody we met, they said, it will change your life. Having a child will change your life. It didn't matter who we come across, that was part of their advice. Everybody has advice for you when you're expecting, but, but the, the number one thing that people kept saying is, it will change your life. And you know what? It really didn't. It was totally the same, right? No. Totally different, right? Completely different life. You go from deciding when you're going to bed, when you're going to get up, to having all that pretty well decided for you. I remember when we were first married, we'd go like midnight showings of movies. We'd, oh, let's go on a vacation. Then to go to the grocery store, we had to pack just as much stuff as we did when we went on vacation. Just to go there and back for like a 30-minute trip, right? Do you have the diaper bag? Do you have all this stuff? And so, yes, our lives were completely and totally and utterly changed forever. The blessings, of course, I want to throw that in there, blessings, but different, totally and completely different. Children are a blessing, but children are also a challenge, right? It, there's nothing in our lives that will change us I, more than, than children. Aside from, from marriage, you know, marriage is a huge change to become one. But then you got to figure out, so you're dealing with each other's issues, and then you start raising a child, and then you got to deal with the issues that you gave the child, right? And so, so how, do we, how do we deal with this? And so, so, yes, children are a blessing, but parenting is hard. It is a challenge. I don't even know if challenge is the right word. It's an impossible task might be better. You see, this morning as we look at this passage of Scripture, I want to remind us that parents, those of you who are raising children, you have a task in front of you that is more challenging than you will ever be able to do on your own. I want to remind you also, if you don't have children, that the people around you, the young families around you, the people who are raising children around you have a task that is impossible for them to do aside from your help. Did you know we as a body believers, we as the people of God have a responsibility to each other to help each other raise our children. Like each generation is dependent on the generation that came before it in order to raise their children. We are called as the people of God to invest in each other, to depend on each other. This is a community event. Parenting is not something you do on your own. 
as something that we do together. And so, so I would encourage you this morning, as we talk about children, I know sometimes there's this tendency as folks who have maybe raised children to say, I've done my time. I don't have to worry about that anymore. I, I would encourage you to think through ways that God would have you in, uh, invest in and help those who are raising kids. Maybe give them some do's and don'ts. We did this, this worked really well. This really didn't. And be honest and upfront and, and help those around you. Because guys, and, and you know this, they, I, I don't think this has come to a shock for you, but it feels like we live in a day and age where like never before the family is under attack. It feels like uh, our families, our young families, and I know every generation feels like they had it harder than the last, but man, the, the challenges that come from raising a child in today's climate are insurmountable. There are so many different things that we are facing now that, that we weren't facing 10 years ago. Things are totally different from whenever I was a kid. And I'm, I'm getting, I'm climbing the age ladder, but it's totally different. It's completely different. We, never, we didn't have, we, we was talking yesterday about the fact that one of the things we have to tell the kids now is make sure you plug in your Kindle, make sure you plug in this. I didn't have to worry about none of that when I was a kid. My bicycle didn't run on batteries. Like, that was it. And so, so we live in a completely different age. We live in an age where our kids are being constantly attacked, where the family is being attacked. And we as a church, guys, we as God's people are who God has given to young families, given to those who are raising kids to help. They cannot do it without us. And so uh, Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 1, God's answer to this question of how we raise uh, our, our children, how we become a, a Christian family as we raise our children. It's found in Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with the promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. And then verse 4 is, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And so here in verse 1 we have our first answer to the question of how we raise our kids or how we have Christian families. And the very first part of verse 1 is children obey your parents. Simple enough, right? Uh, one thing I, I want to point out, Paul assumes that number one kids are not just children but minors, those under that, that are still within their parents' care can hear God's word and respond to God's word. It is assumed that kids would worship with their parents. Now, I know we, we do things differently culturally, and, and I'm not anti-children's church. Don't hear me say that. I love children's church. But at the same time, parents, we ought to be worshiping with our kids. Church, we, we should not be so quick to separate ourselves age-wise from our kids. And so, you know, that's one thing I, I love that Miss Amy does is what they come in and they worship with us. Like I said, man, standing there a minute ago and just hearing those kids sing about lost stuff, like i got to compose myself. Like this is, it's just amazing to hear them, hear them worship alongside us. And, and so it's good. And I know sometimes kids can be a distraction, but it's okay. They're kids, right? And so anyway, so we, we worship alongside our kids. And so Paul says... Here, children obey their parents. So obey your parents, and so he assumes that they're capable of actually following instruction. That may be a stretch, <laughs> but no, they are actually able of following instruction. Think about this for a moment. Uh, so, I don't, have you ever watched the Discovery Channel or National Geographic? And you watch the gazelles and the antelopes and things like that. When the gazelle or the antelope's mama runs off because there's a lion coming, what do they do? They talk back. No, mama, I think I'm gonna stay here for a little bit. You know what you call a disobedient gazelle? 
dinner. Right? What if, what if, what if, I mean, think about it. What if they acted like kids do? No, I think, I, I think you need to give me a reason first. I think you need to reason this out with me. We would have a lot of dinner. Lions would be fat, right? They would have plenty of food. Their food would never run away. Guys, the reason why God gave us parents is because when we're young, we don't know what's going to cause us to be dinner and what's not. We don't know the difference between bleach and a tasty substance. So we put it in our mouth, right? We don't know the difference between something we ought to be playing with and a light socket. We don't know the difference between a nice, smooth surface to ride our bicycle in the middle of a busy street. We need our parents to teach us these things so that we don't become dinner. So children, obey your parents. It's smart. And not just children, teenagers. Those of you who are younger, I'm sure you've got it all figured out, right? You love making fun of, Mom, I can't believe you used to wear that, right? I can't believe you had a hairstyle like that. I'm pretty sure she said that about her parents, too. I'm pretty sure someday your kids are going to say that about you. It's funny how every generation kind of makes fun of the last. So anyway, uh, but, but listen to your parents. It's the smart thing to do. But not only is it the smart thing to do, it is the right thing to do. Look at the last part of verse 1 here. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. This means not to roll your eyes when they tell you to do something. This means to show respect and not talk back. This, this means that uh, the, the, and again, this is spoken directly to children. God is speaking directly to you. Children, he is saying to you, you will be held accountable for the way that you respond to your parents' instruction. If you're not an adult, and you, even as an adult, you will be re- held responsible for the way that you respond to your parents' instruction. Now, now remember, though, Paul is writing to Christian homes. He's not writing to people who are going to lead their kids into disobedience and into sin. He's writing to those who love the Lord, who want to follow the Lord. This is within a church context. And so if your parents are trying to get you to do things you ought not to be doing, totally different ballgame. So, so parents are, our children are called to obey their parents, to obey them because it is not only smart, it is right. So this means this isn't an option. This also means it's not an option for parents. Guys, it's not an option for your children to obey you. You are, your primary responsibility is to be your the child's parent, not their friend. If you become their friend too soon, uh, instead of their parent, you may, never may actually stop raising them. I'm afraid sometimes we give over our responsibility of being parents in light of trying to be our kids' friends. Now we are called to call our children to obey them. This is not, a, this is not an option. This is what God says. This is the way the family works. Kids, obey your parents. When, when they say to you, you know, stay away from that group of friends, instead of giving them a hundred reasons why you should be able to hang out with that friend, you should obey. When they say that, that dress is too short, rather than arguing, you go change. When they ask you to take out the trash, you don't pout or throw a fit, you simply do it. He, he says here, don't disobey your parents, because if you disobey your parents, you know what we call that sin. Like, guys, this is not an option. This is to disobey your mom and dad is sinning against God. You're disobeying the God of the universe. It's a much higher authority than you realize. But it's not just obey. It's also honor. Look at verse 2. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with the promise. He says, show respect to them. So you, not only do you take out the trash, you do it without stomping your feet and rolling your eyes. There's some respect here. To do what they told you to do with disrespect is still sin. There should be some honor in the home for the mom and dad. That means mom and dad, you should demand honor from your children. 
This is, again, this is a touchy subject in our world because we don't like to tell our kids no. We don't like to actually get on to them, but it's actually true. This is the way that God designed the home. And so, but he doesn't just necessarily give you what not to do or what to do. He also gives you a promise. Verse 3 says that, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Here he's quoting from the Ten Commandments. Remember, this is the first commandment with a promise. And so he's quoting from God's word to God's people and he says, remember, this is the first commandment with a promise. He's speaking to Christian homes, not the homes where mom and dad are following Satan, but where mom and dad are following Christ. He says, in these Christian homes, they ought to receive honor and respect. Mom and dad ought to receive it because if you do this, not only is it smart for you, it's actually going to work out better for you. He says that it may go well with you in the land. Guys, if you do what your mom and dad tell you to do, and they're godly people who have your best interests in heart, guess what's going to happen? Nine times out of ten, Good things, because they're smarter than you. I know you don't believe me, but they are. Uh, there's a, a quote I love from Mark Twain. He, I know, great Christian author, I'm not really, but, but he, he had a quote. He said, when I was 16, I thought my dad was the, the biggest fool on the planet, and I couldn't wait to get rid of him. By the time I came, became 21, I was so shocked at how much he learned in five short years. And his point was, whenever I was a kid, I had it all figured out, but I didn't really even know what I didn't know. And as I get older, I see the wisdom and what my father had. Guys, the, the truth is that when we are young, we are dumb. We get eaten by lions if we don't listen to mom and dad. That group of friends that they're telling you to stay away from is the group of friends that look just like the group of friends they saw when they were a kid. And that group of friends that they're telling you to stay away from are the group of friends that's going to lead you to, the, to jail, to the ditch, to, to living on the streets. That's why they're telling you to stay away from them. Because that's where you're headed if you follow them. Believe it or not, your parents are your greatest defense against your greatest enemy, yourself. And, and I mean, I get it, guys. I get the struggle in our society. But you must honor your mom and dad. And parents, you must ask and demand for respect according to the Word of God. This is not an opinion. This is not Dr. Phil. This is God's Word to us. And so look on in verse 4 because... I want to get to the other side of this because it's not just about kids. We as parents have responsibility as well. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And so here's a positive and a negative. The negative is don't provoke your children to anger. In Colossians, he would add, don't provoke your children to anger that they would lose heart or that they would become discouraged. And so this first one is, the negative side of it is, is don't provoke your children to anger. Don't make them mad. Don't make them angry unnecessarily. Uh, it's, it's directed towards fathers for a couple of different reasons. Number one, I think dads are just better at, at causing anger in their kids. I mean, we just are, I think. But, but not just that. There's a, a headship, a, a, a responsibility that fathers have. You know, we, we just talked about this last week. Husbands are head of the wife. They're head of the home. Guys, you have a responsibility. Husbands, you have a responsibility for the way that your children are raised, for the way that they, they are brought up in the home. And so if you push them to anger and you push them to discouragement, that's on you. You have a responsibility to raise your kids in the way that God would have you raise them. And so I, I want us to, to talk about a few different practical things. Most of this stuff is stuff that I got from other people just because I'm not smart, but because it, you know I listen and so things I've read and if you, if you want someone, something afterwards, talk to me. Maybe I can find where I got it from. But the, the, one of the best examples I saw 
regarding discipline in our children is trying to hold a bar of soap. And he said, this guy said, if you try and squeeze it too tight, it has a tendency to shoot out of your hands and away from you. If you hold it too loosely, you drop it and lose it. He said, and that's a lot like raising kids. You hold them too tightly, you squeeze them too tightly in a vice grip, they're going to run as far away from you as they can first chance you get. You give them no, no, uh, no rules, no regulations, nothing, then you're going to lose them that way as well. And so there, there has to be a balance. And, and every kid's going to be different. Every situation's going to be different. There's not a, a list of, uh, you know, this is how you raise a kid. Kids don't come with, you know, a, a driver's manual, right, an instruction manual. They just don't. I, I was thinking about the way in our home. So, so we're pro-spanking. I don't know if you're pro-spanking, but we are. But as our kids get older, you know what? It doesn't work near as much. I, I think I found that spankings are more for me than for them. <coughs> Just to be honest, they don't, I mean, I, I can spank them, and they may be upset for a little bit, but they're going to do it again. Because you can't, as they get older, it just doesn't affect them. Josiah can wear him out, and he's going to go back and do it again. So I can pretend to wear her out, and she's going to go back and do it again too. But, but so for Josiah, but if I say no more Xbox, that's going to get his attention. And all of a sudden, he's going to straighten up and listen. Zoe, I can say no more Xbox. You know what she's going to be like? She's like, I don't care. But you take away her crayons and all of her arts and crafts and her music, yeah, we're going to have a meltdown. I'm going to get her attention, and we're going to work through whatever it is that she's dealing with. And so, so for every kid, it's different. You can't approach each child the same way. And you're like, well, that's really hard. It is hard. It's where we pray a lot and ask for grace a lot. You see, the problem is, is I think sometimes we think of punishment or we think of spanking, we think of those sort of things as getting back at our kids for doing wrong against us. And that's not the purpose. The purpose is correction. The purpose is, is redirecting them to where they, we, we need them to be, where they need to be. That's correction. It's not, we're not about justice. We're about trying to get our kids to be who they ought to be, who God has called them to be. And so provoking them is forgetting this. And so I want to give you a couple of different ways that we provoke our kids because I, I think this is things that I've seen in my own life and I'm sure you know, some of you may have struggled with as well. The, the first one is inattention, not paying attention to our kids. Guys, your kids need your attention. They need you to listen when they speak. They are going to learn how to pay attention to other people from the way you pay attention to them. They're going to learn how to pay attention to you from the way you pay attention to them. And so if they're talking to you and you're scrolling, mm-hmm, 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 then why are you going to turn around and be mad at them because when you t- start to talk to them and they're scrolling, they've learned it from you. You've taught them how to pay attention or how not to. Pay attention to your kids. Listen to what they're saying so you can figure out what works and what doesn't work. Listen to all their crazy theories about everything in the universe and all their crazy questions about everything in the universe. You might learn something about your child. So pay attention. Don't provoke them to anger. Another one is taking your frustration out on them. This is a huge one. Come home, you're frustrated. You're stressed. Had a hard day. The kids do something they ought not to do. And you completely overreact. All because... Somebody else did something. But because of what somebody else did, now you're, you're breaking your kids' hearts. Guys, don't take your frustration and your stress out on your children. One person put it this way. He said, Only the Lord knows 
how many children lose heart because their fathers had, have had a bad day. You know, your kids aren't your punching bag, guys. They don't deserve all the stress and all the frustration that everybody else gives to you. Don't provoke them. Don't take your frustration out on them. Another one, sort of the opposite. Refusing to discipline. I was reminded of, of this this week as I was studying. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 11, this is what God says uh, <clears throat> to Samuel about the, the current leader of Israel, the, a priest named Eli. He said, Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I'm about to do a thing in Israel at which two, the two ears of everyone who hears it will th- tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. And then verse 13 of this passage says, And I will declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Eli knew his sons were out of control and he did not discipline them. Guys, it is just as much sin to not discipline your children as it is for your children not to obey. We are called to discipline our kids. We're called to get on to them. I know, listen, I, I'm, I'm as guilty as anybody of thinking something that they do that's, you know, sort of defying as cute. It gets less and less cute the older they get. Let me assure you of that. Way less cute. But we, we are called to discipline. We're called to discipline consistently. Another way we provoke them to anger is giving them a moving target. Uh, I'm, I, I'll admit, I struggle with this constantly. Like, sometimes I'll get onto the kids for not cleaning up. Sometimes I'll help Crystal clean up, you know. And, and some, you know, I mean, we take turns cleaning up and, and, and things like that, but sometimes I'll get onto them for not doing what they're supposed to do, and then other times it's like, I don't want to mess with it. I don't want to, I, I just don't want to deal with it right now. And so we become inconsistent. They don't know what they get in trouble for and what they don't. Or they get the pouty lip and... Then it's over, right? And so, so we have to be consistent regardless of the situation. And, and I found myself at times, I'm trying not to do this, but at times things that don't really upset you that much at home, they do it in front of other people, and all of a sudden you're embarrassed, and all of a sudden they get the whole world crashing down on them because they embarrassed you in front of someone. Punishment out or discipline out of embarrassment is never good. It's never healthy. What they begin to learn is, is mom and dad's okay with me as long as I don't embarrass them in front of people. That's not good discipline. And, and I could, I mean, we, we could go on and on. The point here is that we must be aware of the way that we discipline. We must be aware of the way that we are leading and guiding our children. Remember all the way back as we've started through chapter 5 and even chapter 4, Paul has said, stop walking the way you used to walk down the wrong path and start walking down the right path. We as Christian people, those of you here who know Christ, your job is to help your children not walk down the wrong path, but walk down the right path. You know the best way to do that? Show them yourself. Because it's not just about not provoking our kids. Like, that's not the ultimate goal. Our goal is really to see our children become more like Christ. To, to see them come to know the Christ that we love. To hear the Word of God and receive it and respond to it. Our hope is to lead them to our Savior. And the best way we can do that is live out the faith that he has given us uh, each and every day in front of them. Not to beat them over the head with it, but to live it out. Like if your concern is for other people to think you have great kids, you've missed it. Your concern ought to be seeing your children love the Savior. That means not provoking them. 
and not worrying about public opinion, but rather worrying about teaching them the grace of God. The second part of this commandment here is to raise them up or to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Bonhoeffer said that we've received our kids from the Lord, therefore let's take them back to Him. Let's lead them back to Him. It's not, it's not just that uh, we teach them not to do bad. It's that we actually show them how to live right. It's that we actually show them what it means to follow Christ, what it means to follow Him. And we do that as we model it out for them, as we show them what this looks like. And so teach them to pray. Pray with your kids. Teach them what it looks like to be dependent on the Lord. Show them this is what mom and dad do when they're facing something they don't know how to deal with. Show them this is what mom and dad do when they have someone in their life that needs prayer. Show them those things. Praise your kids. Tell them when they've done well. Don't just tell them when they did wrong. They never know what they do right. They'll never know what they, how, to, how to please you, how to do what they ought to be doing. Teach them how to build up, not just tear down. Another one is spend time with them. Guys, it's so important that we spend time with our kids. In Deuteronomy 6, when, when God is unpacking what it looks like to have a family that's following God and, and following His Word, he, he tells them, just talk about the Word wherever you go. As you're walking along the path, talk about it. As you're at home eating dinner, as you're eating breakfast, talk about His commandments, talk about His Word. I know our seminary president in North Carolina, uh, we, he was talking to us about what it looked like to raise his boys, and he was talking about how he, uh, he, he met a guy one time who was real passionate about family worship, and he, he had a real scheduled out way that they did things and everything. And he said that the guy thought he was uh, not very holy because he said, this is what I do. We watch college football on Saturdays, and we talk about Jesus. I drive my kids back and forth from school, and we talk about Jesus. He said, we have a lot of fun, and we talk a lot about Jesus. Guys, talk about Christ. Talk about the things of God as you're living out your life. The other day, we were sitting at a restaurant eating lunch, and Josiah begins to question me. Dad, have you ever had a hard time believing in God? Like, here, my little eight, nine-year-old boy is all of a sudden thinking through these things. And so I, I have this moment of being able to talk to him about faith and talk to him about what that looks like and talk to him what it's like to struggle through faith. Not real deep, right? And, but, but just begin those conversations so that he knows whatever it is, he can bring it to me and we can talk about it. We don't have to be at church. It doesn't have to be a regularly scheduled program in order for us to talk about Christ together. Talk with your kids. Spend time with their kids. That's the only way you're going to be able to influence them. And so help them grow up in the, in the Lord. Read the Word of God to them. I was thinking, I always think about this. Every time I, I talk about this passage, I think about how when I was a little kid, my, my mom would sit by mine and my brother's beds and she would read the Bible to us. I still remember her reading the Bible. I, and, and she didn't, you know, she just sat there and read it and we had these really awkward conversations like, What's this Judah and Tamar story about? Like, what's what these passages about? So you can just imagine. But those things have affected me to this day. Like, God used those passages to mold me and shape me as a, as a child. Read the Word of God to them. You don't have to always give a Bible study. Just read the God, God's Word with them. Worship with your kids. Make God a priority in your home. Love your spouse in front of them. If you're, if you're here and you're, you're a single parent, I know you have a hard job. Love your children. Invest in the local church and allow the local church to invest in you. Allow the local church to come alongside you. Allow us as your church family to help you and put our arms around you and walk with you. I know that it's hard. I know it's a challenge. We as a, as a church want to do that. We want to walk with you. 
No matter who you are as parents, serve in the church and show your kids what it is to serve the Lord. Set the example for them now. And and don't go home complaining about serving the Lord and serving in the church because you know what they're going to hear? That's terrible. I'm never doing that. Go home and praise the Lord that you get an opportunity to serve the church. If you don't like serving the church, then pray that God would change your heart so that you can enjoy it. Guys, we have a responsibility as parents and as a church to do something that is absolutely impossible to do. Raise up the next generation of people who are going to follow Christ. And so just to to kind of close this out this morning, I want us to think again about us ourselves as a church family. Those of you who are older, do what Titus 2 says and come alongside those who are younger. Those of you who are younger, actually listen to those who are older. They actually have wisdom to offer. And then let me finish with this. I, I, I really don't remember the last passage of Scripture that has convicted me more deeply than this passage. And so, you know, it's just sort of, I mean, I've, I've wrestled with it uh, more than I even realized. I, I know that as you look at <laughs> who you ought to be and how you ought to raise your kids, and how you actually are doing, there's probably some distance there. And when you think about those little hearts and you think about their faces, I know it can be a challenge. And I know it can make you feel about this big. Guys, that's what God's grace is for. I know as I think through the the shortcomings that I have, I think through the ways that I have failed, I, I think... You know, there's no way I could ever make up for that. There's no way I could ever, you know, take that, those sharp words back. I'm reminded of God's grace. I'm reminded of His mercy. I want you to be reminded of it this morning. Because if you were perfect parents, Jesus would have never had to go to the cross. Like, if you could do this on your own, why would you need Jesus? If you could do the hardest thing in your life and do it perfectly, why in the world would you need Jesus? Jesus went to the cross for parents who are challenged with being human, with being fallen, being sinful. He went to the cross for us. He went to pay for our sins, and not just our our personal sins, but our sins as parents. Go to Him and ask Him to forgive you. Go to your children. You know, that's that's something last night I I was sharp with with, uh, Josiah and Zoe over something that was silly, and and as I was putting them down, I just, you know, asked their forgiveness. Like, Dad shouldn't have shouldn't have got so upset over that. And they're like, okay, Dad. <laughs> I'm ready to go to sleep now. Like, you know? but, but it's that constant reminder, Dad's not perfect, Mom's not perfect. We need grace, just like you need grace. If your kids don't see that, where else are they going to see it? Guys, don't, don't allow your past mistakes to influence the way that you raise your children in the future. Don't give up. Re-engage. Ask for God's strength. Ask for His guidance. Spend time with the Lord. Spend time in His Word as you prepare to raise your kids. Invest in the church and allow the church to invest in you as we try and do this thing together. It's impossible to do it on your own. Don't do it on your own. Don't pretend like you got it all figured out. We all know you don't. The only people who think you got it all figured out is people who ain't got kids. I thought, you know, at first, like, oh man, those people, they actually know how to raise kids. Now if I've had kids for a few years, I realize nobody knows. We're all just sort of working through this together. We're depending on the Lord, depending on His grace, and asking the Lord every day, Lord, make up for my shortcomings. Make up for the places that I fail. And help me not to do that again. If you're here this morning and you are a believer in Christ and you've trusted on Christ, 
would you commit again to, to raise your kids the way that God would have you raise them? That to raise them the way that He would have you to? Under His guidance, under His leadership. If you're here and you're not a believer, you've never trusted on Christ, I want to introduce you to the, the Lord of the universe who wants to be your Heavenly Father, the perfect, uh, the perfect parent, the one who will never speak harshly to you, the one who will never tell you something and then not come through, the one that will do everything that your earthly parents can't do, actually satisfy you, actually give you all that you need, and in heaven give you all that you could have ever imagined. Guys, Christ went to the cross to buy and purchase you a place in heaven for all eternity. Don't miss out on that this morning. Come to him, trust on him, believe on him. If you would, go with me to the Lord in prayer, and we'll have a time of invitation. Father, I just pray that you'd be with us. God, I pray that, Lord, as we, we think about all the ways that we could have, should have, would have done better, Lord, I pray that the grace of uh, of the Lord Jesus would just wash over us. And God, that through your Holy Spirit you would speak to us and that you would restore us, that you would mend our broken hearts. God, that you would mend the broken hearts of our children. God, that you would strengthen and that you would make up for all our failures, all the places that we fall short, God. We need your grace. We need your mercy in this place. And God, I pray that if any is here who don't know you this morning, if there are any here who have never trusted on you, Lord, that you would bring them to yourself, that you would save them. God, that you would redeem them through the power of the blood of the Lamb. Help us now, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If y'all would stand. Oh, to Jesus.